if I want you perhaps to explore an idea which I believe shows a huge dramatic contrast between the Western world's presentation of priorities, goals and endeavors and the Jewish approach. It's based on the Rabbeinu Yonah's explanation of a Mishnah Empirical Avais in the Ethics of the Fathers, Chapter 2, the last Mishnah in the chapter, number 16. Says the following, Rabbi Tarfon, Hu Hayoimer, Rabbi Tarfon used to say, the expression in Hebrew of Hu Hayoimer, he used to say, doesn't mean that he said it once off, but he used to say it, meaning that this was a life principle, this was a, a, a motto of his, which he said constantly, consistently. This is a mahalach. This is an approach. This is something that a person has to bear with him. This is a, a, a key to life. It's something that you repeat and you repeat and you repeat. Hu ha He used to say. What did he used to say? He says, Loi alecha hamelacha ligmoir. Loi, it's not alecha on you. Hamelacha, the work, ligmoir to finish. Veloyato, but you are not. Ben chayrin. A free man, libatel mimena, to um, to stop yourself from doing it, to to take off from it, from not engaging in it. So the task, the work, is not yours to finish, but neither can you avoid being involved in it. Part one of the Mishnah, part two of the Mishnah. Im no harbe. If you've learned a lot of Torah, they give you a lot of reward. Point number two in the Mishnah. If a person studies Torah, the degree to which he amasses Torah knowledge is a degree to which he will receive reward for it. Part three of the Mishnah. And is trusted the master of your work, your boss, that he will pay you the wages of your work. Part 4, the Dain should know that the giving of the reward of the righteous, of people who are tzaddikim, is in the future, in the world to come, and not in the here and now. So there are four parts to the Mishnah. The first part deals with the task that you don't have to finish it, but you can't stop doing it. The second part is the amount of Torah amassed. The more Torah you accrue, the greater reward. Third part of the mission is the boss is reliable to pay and to pay for everything you've done. And the fourth part is the time of payment is in the future, in, in the world of the spiritual, not in the world of the physical. Whenever studying a Mishnah, whenever studying a Mishnah, we have to see if we can find the underlying theme that the Mishnah represents and be able to entitle the Mishnah with a one-word title. 
And what's difficult about this Mishnah is it seems to switch topics halfway through. We subdivided the Mishnah into four categories. Our reason for doing so, Jacob, was to evoi- avoid and evade the ultimate enemy of the Talmudic student and the student of life in general. The enemy that is ever-present, ever-wary, ever-vigilant, ready to pounce, to pray, to destroy and to decimate at all times. That enemy who knows no sleep, who is perpetually wakeful, his name is vagueness. His name is fogginess. His name is blurriness. His name is no clarity. That enemy seeks to make from the clear and well-designed words of Torah a mush, a cholent, a Jewish goulash. And hence, in order to avoid this enemy who is ever-present, in order to triumph over our foe, we strive for clarity. By numbering and labeling, we can achieve the first level of clarity by saying there are four parts and each one discusses this issue. We begin the process of true exploration, which is not rooted in the fantasy, but in the reality of the text. Following me? Good. Gnadi? Shalom. Four parts to the Mishnah. Seemingly parts two, three, and four are focusing around the study of Torah. And part one is focusing around the task, the job. But the job is not explained. The Tana leaves us in a query as to what is this job that we can't finish but we can't avoid? What is this task that we have to do? but we can't manage it. What is this mission that we have to perform but can never succeed in? What is this endeavor that we have to begin and never end? What is this, sorry, I've run out of other stuff. <laughs> it would have been impressive if I come up with a fifth example of saying the same thing, wouldn't it? No? I think so. I think so. But I didn't, so it wasn't impressive. It's not about impressing people. It's not about impressing people. It's about being real. Do you understand? Yes. I mean, I don't, but I should. I should. It's just another one of my many frailties. Many frailties. So, what does the Tana want? Seemingly, the Mishnah is, is dislocated its head from its body. What is the task? Let's read through the words again and try to understand them. Who are you? It's not on you, <laughs> the job to finish. And you're no free man to annul from doing it. To make yourself idle from engaging in it. New point. If you learned lots of Torah, lots of reward. Don't worry. Shem will pay it to you. Where? In the next world. So what is the task? What is the mission? That you cannot finish, but you must begin. So you would like to compress the mission into three parts and say the parts which I label as in two and three are really just two and the point is that if you've learned lots of Torah 
you will get lots of rewards and that reward is going to be faithfully paid to you it's well if so if so if so make it into two parts <laughs> make one part Torah and one part mystery no because one part part one says you have a key to learn Torah so Gennady says something which is astonishing he has no basis to do so all of a sudden he created a massive logical logical or shall we say illogical leap a leap it looks as if he's used some type of metaphorical pole vaulting instrument to be able to make this gigantic jump and he said oh the first part is talking about Torah it's talking about Torah he said that offhanded <laughs> can you please bring me a proof to that assumption Gennady from the text sorry from the text I mean not from your stomach your mind your ears or your nose what? Huh? I read Malach as he's referring to Torah oh so if you if you come up with your own fresh translation of what the word <laughs> means that no one else has ever explained it to me then of course everything makes perfect sense you're 100% right how foolish of me so let me perhaps write the Mishnah the way you would write the Mishnah Loi Alecha Kolatoya Lilmoid Veloi Ata Ben Chorin Libatel Mimeno is that what you know yeah here you go here's my pen go ahead I'm sure every Typhon had he been offered that perhaps critical suggestion would have adjusted his text it's not like he had it's not like you to say the same thing again and again and no one like bothered to say to him maybe Typhon why are you why you change this statement to mean something else he said gosh I never thought about it let me try this amazing maybe you're a Typhon it's amazing throughout the year I'm sitting in the base major so I should be working I'm bustling my work right now <laughs> you know why why did you go from one logical jump to the next I mean why don't you rather live in the world of the query? So right now, the Rebbe Typhon saw for some reason, he left it open. Yeah. He left it open. He didn't, he didn't specify what the Malacha is. Mm -hmm. Now, clearly, he had it within his capacity to do so. Yeah. He, was, he was a sage who, were he to walk into the room, what would happen to all of us? Explode. I don't know if we'd explode, <laughs> but I, I would go for a more conservative option. I think we'd faint. Faint, we'd faint, we'd be we'd be so overawed by the last of his appearance so we'd feel a little bit like those Jews when they saw Moshe Rabbeinu coming down to Marasina and they couldn't look in his face he had to actually put on a visor to stop the light from radiating so so can I <coughs> restate my organization like this part one says we have a key to do this quote unquote Malachah and we can't bethel part two states reward and part three says how do you know it's going to come here's the proof because your masters believe so part one we'll leave on the part two tells us the reward. Part three. Part three explains how do we know that there is a reward because the masters believe because we know we'll get it. And part four tells me when. We said we divide into three parts. I, I don't understand. I don't understand why you want to divide up into three parts. Why can't you say There's a causal relationship. Motora Moschar. New point. There's a new point. But then you'll ask yourself, invisible question, how reliable am I in getting that reward? Completely reliable. I, if I'm so reliable, another invisible <coughs> question, I don't see it happening. I've been learning faithfully for many years. I do not feel the reception of the reward in the material sense because it's not a material reward. So in other words, between each and every one of those statements is the reason why I've divided up into three parts is because there's an invisible question which then the next statement comes to answer. So the way I see it as follows. That's the equation. Invisible question. Now, 
Can I rely on that? Is that guaranteed? Answer, guaranteed. Your master will pay the reward. New question, I don't see it happening. No, because it could only occur in the spiritual world. So then it's definitely three parts. Solomon, you look quizzical. I don't know, I've got a, I've got a different idea. How You've got a different idea. Now, is your different idea something that you invented whilst skirting the shores of Melbourne, or does it come from the text? It came whilst I was just sitting here, so... <laughs> <laughs> so, so, so Melbourne, Melbourne's not going to take any responsibility. Okay, so mine. let's, let's take mine. Melbourne out of the picture. It's my own, my own what if, I mean, Malachi, you said, was, was not necessarily explicitly defined as Torah. So maybe Malachi could be what Hashem wants us to do. The bit about learning Torah <coughs> is a suggested way of understanding what the Malachi is that we need to do. Um, so, if you will, a set of instructions. Um, so, in other words, it tells us we need to do something. This is how we do it. Uh, then part three, you get rewarded. Oh, also, well, I mean, I suppose part two maybe is not an explicit connection. It kind of, well, it suggests, I mean, if, you, if you're going to get rewarded, you know, based on the amount of Torah that you learn, obviously Torah had, probably has something to do with the effectiveness of how one is doing. Okay, so, uh, good. Ed, I like what you're doing. I like what you're doing. You're trying to create some type of integration between the, the top of the Mishnah and the bottom of the Mishnah and saying that they can't just be randomly put together. This Malacha has to have something to do with Torah. Now why the Tana didn't say it explicitly, we don't know. So what I'm going to call on you to do now is let's examine the commentary of Rabbeinu Yonah and let's see the way that takes us, if you could. Says Rabbeinu Yonah, Who are your Emer? Lo Alecha Ligmor. Says Rabbeinu Yonah, this is quite interesting what he does. He says, Shlo al That it shouldn't arise upon your mind. The following thought. What would the thought be? The thought would be as follows. I am not broad-minded, even though the expression is broad-hearted, but in our colloquial terminology we translate that, translate that as broad-minded. I'm not broad-minded. And I can't finish it. And as of yet we don't know what the it is. If a person should say, I just don't have the brains to do it. How can I possibly comprehend all of it? And therefore, what advantage is there in my effort? And what benefit do I have from my toil? You should know. Do not say that. Why? It's not incumbent upon you to finish it. We still don't know what it is. <coughs> Now we know. But since you're toiling in Torah, you're expending effort in Torah, you have maintained, fulfilled the commandment of your Creator. So the Rabbeinu Yonah says, it is Torah. The Malacha over here is referring to Torah. And the reason why I assume he's saying that is because otherwise you have the first part of the mission having no relationship to the next. But that's an astounding kiddush that the Rabbeinu Yonah says. What? The job that's given to us is Limut HaTorah? Fascinating. Fascinating. Needs to be expanded upon. What does it mean that the job that's given to us is Limut HaTorah? We will enter into that dialogue with the text shortly. In the meantime, let's comprehend what's been said to us, Oleg. Let us try to delve into it, Oleg. And let us try to think what he's saying. He's saying as follows. 
when approaching the Torah, because now we've decided it's referring to that according to the Bainu Yoyna, look around the room and how many Savarim holy books do you see, Simcha? Many. Many. How do you feel about that, Simcha? I'm happy to be in a place where Apart from your emotional warmth of being surrounded by many books, <laughs> when you oh, look at them, surely you feel that that one and that one, and you know how hard it is to go through these and translate them, and this is just one small room, and there are many rooms, and there are many books, and there's such a wealth. How would I ever, ever get off the ground and I look at myself and my capacities and understanding of learning? I can basically hardly translate a, a book in Hebrew yet, and you want me to know all of this? So my attitude would be one of despair, one of despondence, and I would say, listen buddy, I can't do it. I'm not cut out for this job. I'm not cut out for this job. It's not within my capacity. Aleni, I'll say the words that the Mishnah is coming to exclude you from saying and saying don't say. I'll say, Aleni, Rechav I don't have the capacity. I'm not that broad-minded. <coughs> I can never finish the task. And therefore, since I can't get to understanding it all, I'm going to learn Shas. I'm going to know Shas. I'm going to know Shas. I'm going to know all of those. How many pages? 2,000 odd pages of Gemara. I'm going to know them so well that they're integrated and they're all in the top of my mind and know Shulchan Aruch and be able to do everything I'm meant to be doing. That's possible for me? No! And therefore, why even begin? So what am I going to do? I'm going to learn a Shtikla Mishnah in Baba Basra. Shkoyach! And what am I going to learn? Well, Rabbi Isai, I've now been learning Baba Basra in our share for the last two and a half months. We have yet to leave the Mishnah. And Baba Basra is one of those fat masechters. So how long I've calculated will it take me to finish off Baba Basra in Ashir? It will take us, I think, I, don't, I can't remember, no, I think it was 800. <laughs> 800 going at this pace. That's Baba Basra. Not Baba Kama, not Baba Metziah, not Brachas, not, not Shabbos, not Erevin. So, so, why bother? Why bother? Why bother? Why bother? Don't say that. Why? You don't have to finish it. Since you are toiling in Torah, you've kept the commandment of your Creator. I want to go back to that. In the meantime, let's just go a little bit forward. So now, you suddenly realize that you don't have to finish it all because it's impossible for you or me. So therefore, well, if I'm not going to finish it all, so then that's fantastic. So every little bit I do is an enormous amount, so I'll do a little bit. In other words, the sequence of the Mishnah is addressing our thought processes. We're confronted by this wealth of Torah, this huge mass of it, so we say, there's no way I can do this. So we comforted him. We say, don't worry, you don't have to do it. So he said, wow, I don't have to do it. So then why am I spending a year in Yeshiva? What do you mean? What a waste of time. I can learn. I can go to Yeshiva once a week in my hometown in Wisconsin, Dakota, and I'll be able to do it there. <laughs> Sorry, I don't mean to show off my American geography yet again. No, no, it's been so you don't even know. You don't even know where Wisconsin is. <laughs> Where's the Alaska, Minnesota? No, man. It's in South Dakota. It's posh.
Pashut. So, when you go back there, you say, well, it's Gavaldik. I go to a shir that my rabbi gives. Her name's Susan van der Belt. And, um... <laughs> And that's enough, that's enough. So don't say that, don't say that. Don't say that. I'll learn an hour a day. I'll do it. I'll learn now. Well, nothing wrong with learning now a day. I don't have to finish the whole thing. So if I don't have to finish the whole thing, so what I have to do is just tikala. Listen, now that you've told me I have to finish the whole thing, what a relief. Gosh, what an absolute relief. What am I spending my time doing? Don't say that. Don't say that. Oh, no, 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 no. Like That's not the way it works. Because you are servant to your master. Aleha lahagois ba yoimam velaila to dwell in the Torah day and night. Vaz tatzliches darachecha vaaz tatzkil, and then you'll succeed in your ways, and then you'll become enlightened. So there's something very strange going on over here. There's definitely a conflict. There's a part of the person which pulls him to want to finish it all, and to him we say, let go. You can't finish it. There's a part of the person that says, so then I'm just going to do the minimal. We say you have to finish it all. You need everything. Not you have to finish it all. You have to be involved in it constantly. Over here we see that what's happening is, on a deeper level, there's a major paradigm that we have being shifted. And this is a paradigm which we'll see how it goes as we perhaps have a chance to progress further in the Mishnah. But right now there's one thing we need to focus on. And there is something which has crept into our value system, which I believe is foreign to Torah. And when that value system, which is part of our mental landscape, enters into the realm of yeshiva we land up conflicted frustrated and in fact quite depressed or in fact not only when we enter into yeshiva when we enter into the world of the study of torah we think in the following way we think since our background has been that success is measured by achievement that if a person starts off a business and his business plan was ingenious and his execution of the plan was magnificent and the hiring of the right people for the right job was beyond belief and the project failed he's a failure because in the world that we've come from in the world that we live within the definition and the barometer of success is measured purely in the world of results it's translated into terms of financial gain and loss and therefore if you did the most incredible project and it lost money it didn't get off the ground it didn't succeed if you train for the race with the best possible technique and you used every muscle in your body but you lost the race you lost the race and therefore our mind frame which is so much part and parcel of the way we feel think act and behave is if you don't get the results if the results don't come out you're a failure with that mind frame you can never ever ever gain a method and approach to the study of Torah because the study of Torah is not a result based objective the study of Torah is in essence independent of the ultimate result and what you achieve. 
the process of the study of Torah is of ultimate value. The results in relation to the process are not of ultimate value. And hence a person, unaware of this mind frame, entering into the world of Torah study, starts to look around for how he's going to succeed and measure that success in concrete measurable terms. He wants to know how long will it be until I get to this level? And until I get to that level, well, I'm getting to that level. And what about the process? It's to get me to that level. And if I don't get to that level, I failed. And how long will I be in the shear until I get to the next year? And when I'm there, how long will I be in that one? Because I have to get to the top. Why? Because then I've succeeded. Why? Because I've got to the top. No, my cherished friends, my guided and learned rabbis. No! When approaching the study of Torah, the entire framework changes. It's actually not about a person can be in the lowest year for 20 years. For 20 years. 20 years. <laughs> and if that is where he's putting in his effort, so even though at the end of those 20 years he knows diddly squat. How much diddly squat? How much is diddly squat? Zero. FS. Null. Zero. It's Russian. <laughs> he's a. Is it? Passion? <laughs> what? Sorry? No. No. Okay, I was almost there. <laughs> Spanish. Zero? Spanish? Or French? <laughs> so, that's what I would like to respectfully offer to you today is the Rabbeinu Yonah. The Rabbeinu Yonah says, <coughs> Come, my friends, do not be labored by your false apprehensions and misunderstandings <laughs> of the operating <laughs> mechanisms of the study of academics within the realm of Torah. And mistakenly think that over here, the same rules apply as in the game of international academics and in the game of international business and sports and the rest of it. And therefore, if you do not succeed in the classical terms you are branded as a failure. Oh no, 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 no. Over here, success and failure are measured by the quality of the process. There is a measurement of success and failure. Oh yes, oh yes, as the Mishnah points out. You can't say, well, if it's completely not result-based, so then I don't have to achieve anything. If I don't have to achieve anything, so then I might as well learn an hour a day. Imagine that, an hour a day. Learning. <laughs> An hour a day. You call it an hour. An hour. No, 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 no. The process is valuable. And if a person performs a process in the correct manner, that means with the same desire for the reaching the bottom of the knowledge, with the same devotion. And at the same time he realizes and this is a paradoxical relationship that we have to have with the study of Torah. That as deep as I go and as much as I understand, because I want to know it all, not knowing it all doesn't matter. But it's everything, but it's nothing. But it's everything. In other words, that's, there's a paradox over here. There has to be the desire, the passion to want to know it all. And there has to be the realization that it's not about knowing it all. But I want to know it all. And I strive to know it all. And every minute is precious, therefore. And every moment... 
that can be utilized in the study of plumbing the depths of Torah. And then we can start to understand, well, why is this our job in the world? Now, that's fascinating. It's our job. This is the malacha we were given. This is our job to study Torah. But there are many jobs that a Jew has in the world. Let's enter into a dialogue now with Rabbi Tarfon. Rabbi Tarfon, according to Rabbi Yoyna, according to your understanding of this mission that comes out, the result is it that every Jew who reads this Mishnah is called upon to perform only one job, the study of Torah. That's strange. There no, there's no room for a Jewish accountant, a Jewish lawyer, a Jewish doctor, a Jewish sailor, a Jewish lion tamer. There's no room in the world for a, a, Jewish, a Jewish Schneider, a tailor, a Jewish Schumacher, a Jewish... I mean, there, there, were, there, there, were, there were guilds of them, weren't there? Those are all people who denied their purpose in life. How can that be? How can that be? Is that true? Why is this amalacha? It's bewildering. It's fascinating. It's disturbing. This is called entering into a dialogue with the Mishnah Oleg. Let's say what we feel back to Rabbi Tarifan. Rabbi Tarifan, but, but, but I'm in the middle of a degree. I have a career. That's null and void. And at this point in time, do not let your from voice overcome you and say, yes, it's obviously wrong. If you fall into that trap, you fall into tremendously dangerous grounds. So that's a question that we have to ask. But we're going to have to stop here because of time limitations. But at this point in time, I would like to perhaps meditate briefly on the fact that the topic and the study that we're engaged in <coughs> qualitatively has a different flavor and a different sense to any other type of study that we've ever engaged in. The actual minute-by-minute, second-by-second process is the ultimate goal. The process is the goal. The process is the goal. And if that process is done properly, that is all that's important. That is all that is important. That is the only important thing. Thank you. Goodbye. The end. Bye-bye. Go away! Eric, what do you want?